Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Kathy Buck, who's the proprietor of the charming Cameo Cinema in St. Helena in the Napa Valley. Kathy, it is so wonderful to have a few minutes of your time because you are one busy, busy woman. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. I'm so happy to do this. I'm, I'm very interested. Just share my story. So thank you for inviting me. Well, you have a fascinating story because you were born and raised in Michigan. You built a prosperous real estate business. Seems like that was your first career. That was one of my longest careers. Longest careers. (laughs) Okay. And then you found your way to the Napa Valley. Can you explain how that happened? (laughs) Yeah. I sold real estate in Michigan for 20, almost 22 years and um, I was getting really tired of winters, but I did love, I love doing the real estate. And then um, my daughter, she came to San Francisco to do an internship in women's health and AIDS at UCSF. And so my two sons and I decided we'd meet her out here for Thanksgiving and just enjoy a little bit of wine country. Came here and we did a little wine tasting, we did a little eating, and I said, oh my God, This is like the south of France, except for I don't have to learn French, and it's beautiful, and I think I want to move here. And that started the journey. So everybody thought I was crazy, um, but it was probably about six months later that I sold my book of business in real estate, which had never been done before. It's kind of an odd thing to do, but I thought (laughs) doctors do it, lawyers do it. Why not a real estate person? And packed up everything and moved here to the Napa Valley um, and decided, rented a place in Oakville. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter got into medical school in Chicago. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to decide, oh, my goodness. When I came here, I just kind of walked around for about six months, walked the vineyards, just getting my feel and um, taking a little breather, trying to figure out what the next stage of life was. And my oldest son said, Mom, time to get a job. And so so what did you do? I started uh, working for Newton Winery up on Spring Mountain. A good friend of mine was the wine educator for LVMH. And she said, Kathy, we're going to open the tasting room at Newton. And I think you could do it. So I said, why not? So I started there. I opened the tasting room. And then in 2007, the uh, movie theater here in St. Helena, the cameo came up for sale. And I thought, wow, this will be a fun job because you can work. There's no age requirement. Everybody is being entertained. It should be a lot of fun. Nobody's going to be grumpy. And why not do it? And um, so we went ahead and uh, I negotiated with Charlotte on the business and Lydia Money, who owns the building. Um, You know, nobody really knew me. I was new to the Valley. Um, I had come here in 2005. So I decided, okay, let's go for it. And we start, she started training me in 2007. And my official start date 
was January 1st, 2008. We have to talk about this theater. It is one of my most favorite places in St. Helena, in the Napa Valley, actually. It is a darling 140-seat theater. That's correct. Yep. Single screen. Yep. <laughs> one of the few left. It's just a magical place, and you bring a lot of magic to this theater <laughs> um, because you're committed to providing an exemplary theater experience here. Everything from international films, independent films, critically acclaimed movies, you do um, director showcases, you do so many things <laughs> I can't even name them all. Tell me, I mean, where do you get your inspiration how do you make all this magic happen here at the Cameo? That's a great question. When I bought it in 2008, um, Charlotte um, loved independent films. So it primarily did really small indie films. I decided that it might be more well-rounded if we took and put in some of the blockbusters, some foreign film, some documentaries, and, you know, just saw what people were, lo were loving. And honestly and truly, I book what I really want to see. So it's a little selfish, but mostly the demographic kind of fits into that genre of age group. And so we started in 2008. Um, when I started, we uh, did film only. And then in 2009, we put in a digital projector. And as the studio's switched over to digital that offered a little bit more flexibility with uh, the ability to get the smaller films as well as the big films the challenge um, has always been finding that balance you know what are the premier times to come to the movies you know this is a sleepy little town right so late night movies is not an option right you know we tried it i've tried that um and then you know, since COVID, bringing people back to the movies, we've added um, some more things. So we've added some live shows so that we can uh, we can enhance people back. Come back and see what we're offering. The, the director showcase special guests, that's always so exciting because everybody wants the behind-the-scenes story. And it's not hard to get those directors, those cinematographers, even some of the talent up into Napa Valley because pretty much everybody wants to come to Napa Valley. I think so. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. not too hard of a sale. Yeah. The theater is um, 140 seats, which I think is just right. Mm -hmm. um, we're 110 years old, so we're one of the oldest single screens in the country. But because we're in Napa Valley and there is a feeling of excellence that um, we all strive for the businesses the wineries and that I knew that this couldn't be just an average movie theater so we put in what I call the Rolls Royce of projectors and sound system uh, we can live stream and we've live streamed the World Cup games you know we have you know speakers and and um, microphones and music that we can do so I knew that we needed to keep the theater at its top for performances and what the experience would be because everybody's about the experience. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants a good experience. Yes. By your own admission, the theater business was new to you. Yes, it was. 
is there one person or a few people that helped inspire and support you and mentor you through this process? Well, that's also another wonderful question. Um, Charlotte Wagner owned the theater when I started, and she was fantastic. As I said, it was all film. Mm -hmm. So she taught us, myself and the staff, how to put movies together, how to take them apart. And that is difficult because you put a movie partially together right, and then the sound goes backwards. It's, you know, you have the static, you have the clicking. So I loved it when we went to a digital projector. Um, that person who installed the digital projection is the same company that installed the 35 millimeter for Charlotte. And so when we chose to go to digital, it was new. It was new for them to learn, new for me to learn. Um, and then in 2019, we put in a laser projector, the next generation, oh, wow. which was again right at the cutting edge. I think the projector we put in, there were nine in the world at the time. And so we're all on the learning curve for that. Um, so my projection people that come out of the Bay Area have always been wonderful to come up and work with me. Now they can do things remotely. Programming wise, it's pretty much always been my baby. Right. And um, I take suggestions. So a lot of our patrons go to uh, movie festivals, uh, film festivals around the country. And if they see something great, they will let me know or they may have reached out and talked to a director or somebody. And so that's always been very helpful. And then I just kind of um, do a lot of reading, a lot of research, um, and decide what I think would appeal. We, we do a film to fork series that we do in partnership with um, the St. Helena Farmers Market. And then this last year, I tried a fork to film uh, four-day festival, mini festival, to see how people loved films that were about food, farming, and wine checks all the three boxes right. and they loved it so we're working on a festival for next year in march to bring some uh, special guest directors in and indie films about the those three things so pretty much self-taught yes you, hardest job i've ever done <laughs> so many moving pieces and parts um to behind the scenes for the movie theater you deal with studios so you have a booking agent right we're the little guys, so you have to fight for everything. We're not a multiplex. I can't move movies off to another screen. So a lot of times I have to really think about if it's a big studio film, can we play it for three weeks? It's not my choice. It's the studio's requirement. Mm. So it, it has become more and more a balancing and juggling act. In 2012... Um, I started an arm called uh, Friends of the Cameo, Cameo Cinema Foundation. Yeah, I did want to talk about, yeah. talk about that uh, because it is a way to help keep the Cameo this special gem in the Napa Valley and, you know, by supporting it, being a donor. So yeah. let's talk more about that. Well, the Cameo is unique um, in that it's kind of a hybrid. We cannot find another theater in the country that is set up the way the Cameo is. And I guess that's me. But so that's good. It's one of a kind. It's a one of a kind, <laughs> yes. Um, meaning that uh, the theater is a LLC, 
And then we have the Cameo Cinema Foundation, which mm -hmm. is a 501c3. And we started that for a couple of reasons. One, we did a capital campaign um, back for our 100th birthday, which was in 2013, um, to get some new equipment, change out the seats, carpeting, etc. And then also the support, the community support. Because when we started the theater, it takes about a 40% occupancy for a movie theater to break even. And we run about 22%. Oh, no. Yes. The events are full. But every day, people have busy lives. There's lots going on. And no matter how you try to tweak it in that, that seems to be about what it is. I think we were up to 30%, 32% pre-COVID. So in order to keep the theater open for when people want to come to the movies, it takes the donations from the community. We started out... Um, to make the make up the difference, To make right? up the difference. We started out with about a 30% um, support system. Mm -hmm. Now we're about 50% oh, support fantastic. system. So we need that 50% every year. And there's reasons for that. And I, and I just want to share about that a little bit. You know, everybody, when they came back, um, knows that prices have increased. Right. You know, your supplies have increased, your utilities, insurance, all of that has increased. And wages. And in order to make that up, you either have to raise your prices, but movie tickets are different. There's kind of that balance. You can't just keep mo raising movie tickets. Not only that, the theater, the studios take between 50 and 70% of every movie ticket. So oh. I net less sometimes, sometimes I only net 30, 30 cents on a dollar. So for me to raise my ticket price by a dollar or two dollars, I don't make that money. So I'd rather people consider making it a donation and um, it's tax deductible sure. and it supports us. So that's what the foundation was set up for, for individuals, whether it's $10 a month, $100 or $10,000. And that's really what's helped keep the cameo at the state that it's in today. Um, back in uh, 2019 for the, the uh, laser projector, we had one donor who sold their business and said, Kathy, what do you need? I go, ooh, I need a laser projector. <laughs> and, um, how and you got one. How much was it? A quarter of a million dollars. So the cameo is state of the art. Yes, yeah. it is. It's fabulous. It's, I would imagine it's the locals that keep the cameo open. Do you find that you pull a lot of first-time tourists or visitors, I like to call them visitors, to the Napa Valley, to the theater as well? We do, um, yes. It's supported um, majority by our, our locals. And there are some locals that come every week. But, you know, the summertime when visitors are out, going Way, wine tasting right. and up and down valley and that's a, also again why I, I program mostly the big blockbusters in the summer we'll we will get visitors in when we did the world cup games and they're free to the community we had people from all over the world coming to see the games because they would see that they were in the movie theater and thought oh my god that's so cool um, but we do see a lot of visitors and it's so much fun I have people who, when they're in town visiting family and friends, every year will come back into the movie theater and say, we're back, you know. So it is wonderful. It, it, there's so many stories, and it makes you feel that 
you're in the right place doing the right thing. So I read somewhere that you are, I think it was mechanically inclined, and you have been challenged with a variety of different projects (laughs) (laughs) since you've been the owner of the Cameo Cinema. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) Oh, that is so true. Um, I am the oldest of nine. And so my dad said, you're going to learn things like if you were my son. So I can troubleshoot how to fix a popcorn machine and, you know, why is the vacuum cleaner not working, you know. And then when we started with the digital projector, you know, that's a giant computer basically. And for me to understand the mechanics of that, I can say, okay, it worked here and it's not working here. So what happened in between? But the challenge now is all the technology Mm. and it's changing very, very quickly. It was all a projector with a 35 millimeter film up until 2010 really is when they switched it all over. So from the start of uh, cinema in uh, 1913, uh, basically that's when um, it was theater was founded. This theater was founded and it was silent movies and that it's always been film. And then since 2010, this um, digital highway is just moving faster and faster. We would get our movies in, um, in what what you would, if you're older, you would know <laughs> what an eight track looks like, and that's kind of what would slide into the projector, and that you would download your movie. Now we have portals that are on our computer. We can click on it. We can download our movie. We can put our trailers on. So it's constantly changing. And I think that's a challenge for uh, myself. Is that the most challenging part of your jobs? I would say that probably is. I wouldn't like it personally. No, no. that in in, um, picking the movies because that's fun. But it's like, okay, you can't have this one on this day. So then what do you fill in? So those are the my two challenges. As we just said, the, the Cameo was, was founded in 1913. Over the years since you've owned the theater, I'm sure you have heard stories after stories from patrons. Have you thought about doing anything with that? You know, somebody just said, you need your memoirs, Kathy. <laughs> it's funny because there are hundreds of stories, you know, from people receiving their first kiss, their first date. When the silent film played in 1913, this theater today seats 140 people. Same size theater, and on opening day in 1913, there were 300 people sitting and 100 people standing. So think of the Napa Valley in 1913. 400 people in this came room. to see the movie. It was so cutting edge, you know, to have a movie theater. And that, I think about how far away people had to come. I'm sure it had bench seats and there were no fire laws back then. Probably not. I can't imagine that's over double what you have in the theater today. And it it looks perfect size now. So I can't imagine that many people crammed in here. And that is so crazy. In 1913, there were, it was a silent film that opened called Kings of the Forest. Um, crazy little film. And it was because I had met a, a film historian from the Netherlands. He and his family were traveling 
through the Napa Valley one summer and we were doing the World Cup games and he came in and introduced himself. So when we were going to do the birthday celebration, I couldn't find anything in the LA archives, the Film Institute, of this movie existing. But he reached out across Europe and he found one copy still in existence and um, the back of the movie had burned up so it was only like 23 minutes long. And they made a DVD of it and sent it to me. It had Danish subtitles, so we sent it to a place down in Napa, and they created English cards for it. And then we had a local musician bring in his piano, his electric piano, and do a live musical score. So on our birthday celebration, people could actually see the movie that opened here in the theater and hear it the way it would have been. So That's fun. It was fun. And very creative. It was interesting, <laughs> yeah. It, would you say that's one of your favorite memories? Or what is one of your favorite <gasps> memories of owning the theater? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind real quick. About 12 years ago, I wanted to do something for children. You know, everybody loves movies, and kids get their iPhones out and their iPads right. out, and they're making movies. Ruins it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they never have an opportunity to actually see what they create on the big screen. Mm -hmm. So oh. we started a family film festival for um, Memorial Day weekend, and one of the things that we did is we roll out the red carpet, students submitted their short films, and then we showed them on, on the big screen. And they had family and friends, and they could see what it was like, you know, what was your sound very good? You know, how was your story in that? And to see that magic and creativity w is really inspiring and hopeful. Um, so I think that the Family Film Festival has been one of my favorite creations. Um, one of the most memorable is Francis Ford Coppola being on stage. Um, to be here to do a Q&A of Apocalypse Now, you know, where he told about that movie should have never been made with all the things that happened in the making of it. And then to have Eleanor, who did the documentary mm -hmm. Hearts of Darkness, do a Q&A following that, you know, that's pretty special. And um, he also came in for The Godfather. And, you know, you say, oh, yeah, Francis is coming in. I, I always laugh because I see hear family and friends like Francis who? Francis Ford Coppola? I go, yeah, he comes all the time to the movies. And, you know, that's the power of story. When you have a storyteller like Francis, who is the master in storyteller, come in and share their experiences, it makes people appreciate what goes into making a movie. Right. And that's what it's all about. Well, I've been to one or two of Eleanor's um visits here that has been equally as spectacular she's so. remarkable what a woman yeah. yeah I mean you just bring you know you bring the movies to life you've got um, great resources and you've really made coming to the theater a like you said an, an experience mm -hmm. in a variety of different ways are any of your children going to take over this business <laughs> one day no do they have a love of the movies um Wow, that's interesting. Yes, they do love the movies. They have no intention to ever. So if anybody's listening, 
and wants to be the next proprietor, come see me. Um, <laughs> my children have their own careers. They come when they're when they're in town. They're here at the movies. But I will say, I have three grandchildren: ten-year-old grandson named Caleb, Serena, who is seven, and Amelia, who's three. And Caleb, from the time he was two or three, he loves to dress up has told people that when he grows up, he's going to be just like his granny. He's going to be an actor. So he thinks I'm an actor, oh, which Lordy. is hilarious. And now he actually, at age 10, it does voiceover work for movies. Oh, that's and he amazing. he paid to do that. So he's already following in your footsteps, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak. I can't see him here running the theater, but... Uh, well, you never know. Maybe by 18, he will. <laughs> you don't know what the future holds. That is true. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's move on to your personal life. You live here in St. Helena. I love St. Helena. You could have lived anywhere. How did you choose St. Helena? Because you did mention you lived in Oakville for a little while when you rented. Obviously, the cameo is here in St. Helena, so it's really convenient to live down the road. Yeah. Was there a driving force to why you wanted to live in St. Helena? The movie theater. You know, in the beginning, I was here seven days a week. Uh, probably 12 hours a day. Right. And um, it was important that, uh, you know, there were a lot of things that <laughs> went wrong in the beginning. Right. So you it, you had to be where you could quickly get here and try to help fix solve. things and oh, yeah. solve the problems. So I chose St. Helena. I have a wonderful little home here that is my oasis. I love St. Helena because it's a walking town. It is. I can ride my bicycle here. I can walk. Everything is at my fingertips. I put on so few miles on my car, it's ridiculous because I find everything I need is pretty much right here and or up valley or in the valley. So I love the variety of places we have to go to. I love the people Mm -hmm. because people here are from all over. And that is always fun and entertaining for me as well. So I can't see myself any place else if I could I'd be in Miami where my grandchildren oh. were you know <laughs> well, there's a yeah. a vast different oh yeah very <laughs> different. different so this town really is unique mm-hmm. you know I think about kids they can ride their bicycles in this town they can come to the movies on their skateboard mm-hmm. and we park them in the theater you know it's a very inviting safe place for people to raise their families absolutely and so if we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What is your decorating style? Is it filled with movie <laughs> posters? Uh, no, but I have Or a Francis Ford Coppola artwork, or <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's funny. I do have a lot of uh, movie posters, um, not hanging on the walls, but I do have a lot of a wonderful collection. My house is eclectic, but in a minimal way. Um, I have, um, my house is a very small kind of California Victorian style and my gardens I love. So that's, that's where my passion when I'm home is. I think my thing is it's comfortable and inviting. So when you have people over or family, it's not pretentious. It's just home. Predominant color? Bright colors, actually. I love color. Like, like what? Um, there's some reds and some yellows and oranges. The walls are a light yellow, most of the walls. Mm-hmm. Wood floors, um, pretty rugs, uh, Indian rugs. Um, 
some um, tapestry style. So I like to bring in color. The furniture is um, modern, you know, I would say some like wrought iron style that I, I think it's fun. Kind of kind of California look. And um, my partner, he he's even more of a minimalist. So I had a lot of things. And when we came together, it was like, okay, we can do less. <laughs> less <laughs> you, is better. You learn how much you can live with. Yeah. When you especially when you have a partner that really encourages you to <laughs> perch. <laughs> yes. It was a little painful at first, but you know, it's it's really we've blended our styles really well. Beautifully. And it makes it very enjoyable. So what's your favorite type of music to listen to when you kick back and relax? I'm a blues girl. Your blues. Yeah, okay. I love the blues. I say it's it gets your soul mm. and um I'll listen to a little bit of everything. I have a mix called Easy Like Sunday Morning, mm. and I love to listen to that. But when I really am I'm feeling it, it's the blues. Favorite room in your house? Dining room. Dining room. I Why? love it as a gathering place mm. for conversation. You know, one of the reasons I moved here, I thought I would go to Europe. I thought I'd go to the south of France. I spent some time there, and I liked long dinners and long conversations. I liked a slower pace where people really got to know each other. And so for me, that's one of the things I love about St. Helena, but that's why my dining room and my outdoor eating space are my two favorite spots in the house. You mentioned you garden. Is that your hobby? Or do you have another hobby? Or do you collect something? I don't collect, oh, nutcrackers. My grandson would say, yes, you do, Granny. You collect (laughs) nutcrackers. I do. I love watching things grow. So I like to experiment with flowers and different plants, um, tomatoes, that kind of thing. I'm not a big gardener, but I like to to putz. The the beautiful thing about living in California is everything grows. (laughs) Pretty much everything grows. Some more than others, but yeah, everything grows. I mean, versus other places in the country, it can be more challenging. It's a bonus living in California. It certainly is. Is there something you could tell us that might surprise people? Did you do something crazy as a child? Do you rappel down mountains? Do you (laughs) skydive? I was a tomboy and um, I hunted. I fished. Hunted? Um, what did you hunt? Uh, deer, wow. rabbit. Um, my dad was would go out hunting, but it was a little bit different. And I love to fish. I'm I'm a fisher person. Okay. Um, um, so we grew up there. With, if you went out and you went hunting or fishing, you ate what you killed. And I still believe that. So to just go out to go hunting or go fishing and not eat what I caught, that's not me. But when I go home. I go fishing. I go home to the lakes, and I love to sit out. I could sit on a boat all day long and fish. Um, wow. So, And I know how to bait my hook, and I know how to catch them, take them off the hook, clean them, and cook them. So that is probably something odd for people to know. I can digest the fishing more than I can the hunting. Do mm. you know how to skin and do all that with an animal? Well, back in the day, yes. It's been a very, very long time. Okay, so. since you've been hunting. Yeah, my dad would mostly do that. But, you know, you grow up in a rural area, mm-hmm. as I said, nine brothers and sisters. You know, venison was a big deal because mm-hmm. that fed us 
for a lot of time and it's also very good for you so we grew big gardens planted didn't like that but now I enjoy it so you know kind of comes full circle sure Um, and I think those are the things that I remember and love and so when my kids come from up from Miami we plant things and we we talk about that I can't see them ever hunting but they do they've gone fishing fishing with me before well that's good it sounds like you like to travel I do. So is there a meaningful trip that you can tell us about? Uh, I rented a house in the south of France for a month when my children graduated from high school. I decided that would be my college. It was an amazing experience. We were, uh, I had the house for a month and it slept about 10 people. And um, my kids came in with friends for that were traveling Europe and I have friends in in the south of France, and we do dinners, and then I traveled on to Italy for two weeks, and so it was a total of six weeks, and I learned a lot about myself because I traveled alone. Uh, I learned about uh, community tables and um, how to be comfortable going out and doing things on your own and meeting new people, and I I think I grew a lot in that experience. the French women are very feminine, and so it really connected me with my feminine side uh, more than being a tomboy. And I think that that was one of my most memorable trips. I've I was a certified scuba diver. I guess I still am, but I haven't dove in a long time. And we dove all over. Uh, I dove in Bali. I've done most of Caribbean islands, um, and haven't done that for a while. But my next trip is I want to do the riverboat where you have your bicycle on it and you ride into town and then you get back on the riverboat and it goes down and you get off so yeah that sounds picturesque and relaxing I think so too (laughs) yeah well Kathy we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions you ready yeah okay first question what kind of car do you drive a Genesis SUV and the color is Barola Burgundy all right favorite flower Mm, tulips One word that best describes you. Adventurous. Your dream dinner guest. George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't like that? Favorite city to visit. Chicago. Okay. Kathy, it has been a true delight. Thanks, Michelle. It's been so much fun. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.